Well, at first, um, <clears throat> congratulations to your Oscar nomination. Um, what is this for our feeling? What's the feeling? Mm -hmm. It feels very good. <laughs> it feels very surprising. Okay. Um, I got an Oscar nomination about 30 years ago mm -hmm. for for scoring. Yeah. And this is uh, this is for writing a song, so it feels very good because mostly people who do scoring, who do background scores, don't get a chance to write songs. Mm -hmm. So this one, uh, I wrote the song, but not the score. So it turns out that I'm feeling very good about it. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, just write this song or uh, another songs for the movie? Well, I have written other songs. My Probably my most famous song, um, this one isn't famous yet, but the, my most famous song is the theme song to Tiny Toon Adventures, which mm -hmm. is the cartoon show. You know, we're tiny, we're toony, that, that thing. Oh, yeah. And, That's that's probably my best known song. It sounds nothing at all like this one. Mm -hmm. Are you proud uh, of that uh, nominated yes. song? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because, um, as I say, I'm essentially, when I work in movies, I'm essentially a film, a background writer. So mm -hmm. when you write that kind of music, you're there really to help the story. You're not there necessary to write a lot of pretty music. You're just there to help tell the story. In this particular case, the story um, has to do with a German immigrant family. It's based on a true story. Uh, a German immigrant family that came to the American colonies while they were still part of Britain uh, during the time of the French and Indian War. And they brought a hymn with them. Now, there actually was a real hymn named Alone Yet Not Alone, I think, because it seems to me I've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's an old Lutheran kind of hymn and, and not very good for this picture. But um, the mother sings it to her children. They sing it um, in times of stress. They sing it for comfort. So the song that I had to write had to be in a style that would be appropriate, that would be correct for that time and place. It also had to be a song that was easy to sing, easy to remember, that didn't have any fanciness to it, that didn't have to be played with a lot of chords or a lot of big production, that was just very straightforward and sent out a very um, simple but straightforward message in the words, which was basically a song of comfort. Mm -hmm. So the idea of alone, yet not alone, uh, was that was that's the name of the film, but it was also the name of our song. So... The song is, um, in fact, it's just, it's very simple. It's a song that could have existed in the 18th century. And um, in that way, I'm proud of it because I think that it, uh, that it works for the situation that it was written for. And that's about it. And Great. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, in general, um, <clears throat> please tell us something about your musical education. Well, my musical education is pretty normal, pretty typical. I studied music at the University of Southern California, mm -hmm. and uh, I studied composition. I come from a musical family. I've played piano since I was about five or six years old. And uh, my family is all musical. My brother is a composer and a trombone player. My grandfather was a composer. I had an uncle who was a songwriter, so it's really pretty heavily in our family. And when I left the university, I got a job working for CBS television in the music department. And I was there for 10 years, um, not working as a composer, although I did do some composing, but I was working as a music supervisor, uh, selecting music for shows that we produced, shows like Gunsmoke and Hawaii Five-0, Wild Wild West, things like that. So it taught me how to use music with picture, taught me how to um, uh, make music work, you know, whether it's a chase or whether it's a romantic scene or whatever it is, taught me a lot about how to put things together with the picture so that it worked really well. And when I left CBS, I became a, a freelance composer working primarily in television. So I did television for a lot of years and eventually got into the movies. And by the time I got in the movies, I already had a lot of experience. So um, my education actually is all of that. A lot of my education came after I left the university. My education came primarily 
when I really started to write, because it's only by writing a lot that you really learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I tell I tell young composers or, or would be composers, if you really want to learn how to write, the best thing you can do is just write. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, what was your very first assignment as a music composer? Well, um, for television, when I was working in um, at CBS, uh, I began by writing just little pieces for shows that didn't have music in the library. So that is, if we were trying to select music for a show and we had everything except two or three pieces, then we would write those ourselves and we would attach them onto the end of a recording session. So my very first pieces were written for a show called Men at Law. That's, um, well, that's kind of hard to understand. Men at Law. It was a, it was a show about attorneys. Mm-hmm. And then my first credit was actually on Gunsmoke. And my first complete show where I'd done all the music myself was on Hawaii Five O. Oh. And I got a um, I got an Emmy nomination for that and was very excited by the whole thing. And uh, yeah, are you still proud of that score? Well, it's a long time ago. I mean, I'm I'm still proud of the fact that it got an Emmy. Um, it's what I did a long time ago. It, it's uh, how can I say this? It's like I don't know. It's I don't I don't disown it. It's not what I would write now, but it was the best I could do at the time. So. In that way, yeah, I'm proud of it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Great. And, um, yeah, Wife of O, uh, what do you think about the yeah, new series and the music? You know, I haven't looked at it. Oh. Uh, they used the same the same main title, which mm-hmm. was written by uh, a fellow named Morton Stevens, who was a guy I worked for at CBS. So I know they, they used that music, but the background music is entirely different. Uh, when we did it, 40 years ago, it was very aggressive and almost um, melodramatic. It was so big. Mm-hmm. And we changed our orchestras every week so that uh, sometimes the music was very bizarre. It was kind of outrageous. It was very, 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 very dramatic and very loud. And, and uh, I, I don't think it's that way any longer. The, the styles the styles have changed a lot in television and film in the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. It sounds like um, yeah, every week, uh, like a yeah, Hollywood blockbuster movie, very uh, much action and such stuff. Well, it was sort of like that, but you know, if you if you look at a Hollywood blockbuster movie now, let's say something like um, I don't know, like something that Hans Zimmer would do, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very different kind of music than what was in the movies in the 1970s or the 1980s with the big orchestras. We had composers like Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams uh, when, when John was a younger guy, um, Michelle Legrand, Henry Mancini, Leonard Rosenman. I mean, all these composers wrote a very different kind of music than the, than the sort of thing that's being written now. Mm-hmm. And in the Oscar nominations this year, if you look at a score like Gravity, which is a, which is a, a big front-runner um, Oscar score, Or if you look at a score like Saving Mr. Banks, the one that, that Tom Newman did, mm-hmm. those two scores, um, that style it was completely unknown 30 or 40 years ago. They're very distinctive, very different, different from each other. Actually, Gravity, Saving Mr. Banks, Palomino, um, they're all completely different sorts of scores. And um, you can see how music has changed a lot. My old music, my old television music, mm-hmm can be seen in Germany um, on reruns of old television shows like Quincy and Hawaii Five-0 and, and things like that. I mean, when I've been in Germany, I've actually seen some of these shows. And it's you can just see how the style has changed over the shows that are produced these days. So the, the two different versions of Hawaii Five-0, the contemporary one and the old one, not only sound different, they look different because the shows are just very, very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to uh, watch the old uh, Hawaii Five O. I only knew um, the the new. Um, yeah, but I'm very curious about it. I think Quincy uh, runs actually. Hmm, I have to look. <laughs> yeah, I think it does too. But but it's uh, that's a long time ago. That's thirty thirty years ago or so. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, my old, my age. <laughs> and yeah, what do you think about the current situation in the film music business? Um, yeah, it has very changed in the recent decades. Ten uh, years, I think. It's uh, yeah, very loud and such things. Well, I, I can I can tell you we can talk about that a little bit because it's actually changed not only in music. Mm -hmm. It's changed in um, it's changed for the cinematographers. It's changed for the writers. It's changed for the editors. It's changed for the directors. It's changed obviously for the composers. But if you if you think of the things that you can do in a movie now, as opposed to what could be done 20 or 25 years ago, you realize that the biggest difference between now and then is the technology. Is that mm -hmm. now that we have digital technology? Everything is very different. The way we produce music is different. The way they shoot films is different. It's been a long time since I've even seen a piece of film with sprocket holes, because now we work uh, primor primarily on digital files. Instead of having to go into a studio and watch a film with a director, mm -hmm. we can come to my house and have and, and watch on my computer the files that were sent to me over the internet. So that's a very different way of working. And when we construct music, um, although we still use orchestras and we still use live musicians, my wife is a, is a, um, a violin player. In fact, she, she plays often for Hans Zimmer and, and people like that. Um, we also have uh, a lot of synthesizers and computer music, which we can use either in place of or along with. Now that stuff was just beginning 30 years ago, but now it's a full-blown um, technique of music production, and sometimes it's really the best way to do it. So um, everything has changed. If you see everything in the movies have changed, um, you can change. You can put actors into a movie who died 30 years ago just by digitally recalling them. You can uh, change voices. You can change heads. You can change. You can change shapes. You can include animation with live action. It's hard to tell one from the other. There's all sorts of things we can do in movies now, uh, outside of music and including music, that we couldn't do years before this digital revolution happened. Mm -hmm. Do you like the um, modern movies? Some of them, yeah. I mean, some of them. I, um, I like, um, I, you know, I, I like what I like. I mean, I'm, in, in that way, I'm sort of a moviegoer. You know, there's certain kinds of movies that I like, and certain kind of music, or certain kind of movies that I'm not crazy about. But I don't think I'm any different from you or anybody else. We may not like exactly the same kind of movies, but I think we go to movies for the same reason, to be entertained and, and to get excited or to feel this way, feel happy or feel sad or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I like I like modern movies. Um, I probably like them as much as I like old movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is your favorite movie uh, from yeah, all times? From all times, well, actually, my <laughs> my favorite movie from all times is a movie called All Quiet on the Western Front, mm -hmm. which is an old movie in the '30s about World War One. Uh, it's a black and white movie. There's no music in it. Uh, it's kind of long, but it was the most powerful movie. I think I, I think I saw it when I was 14, and I never forgot the effect of it because it was a it was a terrific anti-war movie, uh, which showed showed really the horrors of, of warfare. And um, I think that movie probably impressed me more than any other movie I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Sounds interesting. Do you have favorite composers from today? Um, yeah, well, yes. Well, sort of. Um, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the guys who compose today are friends of mine. You know, we, we all work in a community. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of composers from today who I respect. Uh, who I like personally. Um, it wouldn't be fair to name them all because they're, you know, I, I wouldn't want to leave somebody out and think that that was somebody that, that I didn't like. But um, now I have, I have, I know several of these guys, they're, they're very, very, very good at what they do. And, uh, and when they get recognized for a, an Academy Award or something like that, you have to feel good for them and feel good for music too, because some of these guys are as good as anybody's ever been. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you think, oh my God, this composer I don't like because of style and da da. Uh, no. Well, no. I mean that happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, there. Are, I, I can't say that I like every score that I hear, and I can't say that I like every every movie that I mm -hmm. see. 
and I don't know that everybody does a terrific job, but that doesn't stop them from getting awards and recognition. But of the people who are working, um, there are, I mean, there are a lot of very, very, very skilled composers working in, in movies these days. And, um, and they do a very good job with film. And some of them, you know, some of them are younger, some of them are older. Most of them, probably with the exception of John Williams, uh, are pretty comfortable with, with the new technology and they all embrace it. People my age and people younger, um, they can work with technology or they can work with orchestras. And uh, they're very, very, very good. They're, they're very good with picture. They're as good as anybody has ever been. I mean, from a lot of the old guys, there were a lot of older composers from 30, 40, 50 years ago who also were very good. Mm-hmm. But they also had a lot of composers who weren't that good. But they all, that's just life. You know, you get people who are very good at what they do and other people who aren't quite as good. But mm-hmm. uh, no, there are a lot of, there's a lot of good music today. Mm-hmm. Great. Who are your personal or musical idols, if you have them? Well, I, I wouldn't want to get too much into that, but of the composers who I admired growing up as a composer, um, my favorite one was Jerry Goldsmith, because Jerry had, um, he had so much ability, he had so much technique, he was so sensitive to films, he was very, very, very creative. And um, I found myself... Um, often admiring what he did, although there are other people. I mean, I, I remember recently watching a movie of uh, of Michel Legrand, the French guy, mm-hmm. and that was, my gosh, that was really well written. Um, John Williams, Alex North, um, Korngold, Henry Mancini. I don't know, a lot of these people. I mean, I, I was able to meet a lot of these people at one point in my life as well. Um, they're all very different. They all write very differently, but they all do things that that reflect their strong personality, their strong ability. But I think Jerry was the one who I mm-hmm. admired most of all. Oh. Yeah. What is your favorite instrument, uh, within or outside an orchestra? Well, I play piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a boy, I had to learn how to play a trumpet too, but I, I'm not much of a brass player, but I'm a piano player. So I'd have to say my favorite instrument to play on is a piano. My favorite instrument of all, I like them all because they're all good for something. Um, but I, the only one that I really play well is the piano. So. Mm-hmm. Great. What is inspiring you? Well, if I'm working on a movie project, the movie and the deadline inspire me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie has certain thematic ideas that bring up musical ideas. And then you try to do that really well to be able to tell the story well. But the deadline helps a lot, too. So if you know that you have to have it done in a week or two weeks, uh, that has that's a certain kind of inspiration. Um, if I'm not working on a movie, if I'm working on a concert piece, uh, then you try to get your inspiration through the ideas and, and through other associations, not, not, uh, not like movies. Sometimes somebody's playing will inspire you. I mean, almost anything, almost anything will, will work. Anything to just keep writing. What do you think? It's uh, composing music and art or a craft? I think composing music for films is a craft. Mm-hmm. I think composing music in general is often an art. I mean, certainly if you look at the music of people like Bach and Bartok and Mozart and Hindemith, and Stravinsky, and Ravel, and all those people, there's a lot of art in that. Um, there are many, 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 many composers whose music is just extraordinary. I think in, in film music, um, I, I don't mean to say that film music is worse than this other kind of music, but film music is different in that film music is always an accompaniment. It's always, what do you say, begleitum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always an accompaniment to the film and the music exists because of the film whereas in concert music the music exists for its own reasons and I think that, that I think that's very different I, having said that I think there's some film music that's very 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 good and very very well written mm-hmm. and approaches and maybe maybe comes into the realm of art but in general I wouldn't I wouldn't put film music in the same category as I would put concert music. And what do you think is the best thing about composing music? 
I couldn't go a day without listening to music. Um, the reason I wanted to get be a film composer was because I knew that by that I could I could affect the way people feel, um, and I wanted to do that because music made me feel good, and it brought up all sorts of emotions. Music can can be a um, a tremendous emotional thing, you know, a, a, a emotional force, and that was the part that interested me because I knew that movies. Um, movies had that in the storytelling and in the fact that you sit in a dark room with a lot of other people and be entirely surrounded by uh, by the story as well as the effects of the music. But for me personally, uh, music is um, is just enormously satisfying. I I, uh, I, I don't. There's some there's some composers who just take me to another world mm-hmm. and. Um, that's sort of what I try to do. I don't know how successful I am at it, but, but it certainly works for me when other people do it and I hear their music. So I, I would say music's pretty important. Mm-hmm. And is there something that makes it less fun for you? It's hard work. <laughs> it's, it's hard work. There's no kidding about that. Mm-hmm. It's, when you sit and you're, and you're trying to work an idea and it's not coming very well, it's hard. Um, and if when you're working on a movie because you're working for somebody else, if they don't like what you're doing, that's not fun either. So yeah, there's some things that are, it's, it's definitely hard work after you write a piece to try and get it just right, to try to get the sounds just right so that everything is balanced just right. So that it, it, um, gets across this very specific idea. That's hard work. That's really hard work, but it's, um, if you do it right and if it, when it turns out right, it's, you pretty much forget about the hard work. You just realize it's the only way to get to a good product is to work hard at it. And yeah, how big is the influence and the well, pressure from producers and directors when you writing music? Well, there's there's a lot of influence because it's basically their their um, their story, it's their film. Um, they're the employers. They hire you in order to produce a certain effect. They hire you to help tell their story. They don't hire you to play to write pretty music. They hire you to help make their character seem more brave or or uh, more romantic or, or more evil or something like that. They they ask you, the composer, to do something to their story. So their influence is very great. If they don't think that what you're doing is in the right direction to tell their story the way they want it, they'll let you know. And then you have to figure out how to do it so that it it gets the story told not only the way you want to do it, but also more importantly, the way they want to do it. So there are some cases when I've finished a movie and I wasn't exactly the happiest person with the score, but the director was happy and the studio was happy. (coughs) So in that case, it was a job well done. Mm -hmm. And has it ever happened that the studio wasn't happy? Like, uh, for example, Who? Uh, what was the last? James Horner and uh, Romeo and Juliet. Um, where middle in the recording sessions was said, okay, uh, let's compose and get another style. Well, um, I've never had a score. I've never had a score taken out of a movie. So in that way, I've never had to suffer that. But I've had I've had cases where the director was not happy, and. Um, had me do things over again. I mean, I've, I've definitely had that. I mean, for the most part, uh, I've had pretty good success with the things that I've done. But every once in a while, every once in a while, a director says, no, this isn't what I wanted. This is this is completely wrong from what I wanted. And then you have to do it all over again. And sometimes, very often on a movie, you'll find there's a, um, a difference of opinion on one scene. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, I really need a little bit more than what you're providing here. I need more excitement or Or you didn't understand the scene. This isn't really what's happening. The, the bad guy is over here and the good guy's here and such and such and so and so. So in that case, you listen to them and, and then you try to work it out so that it, it comes across the way that they want it. And I would say that for the most part, I would say that I was able to do that successfully. So I haven't had scores, as they say, thrown out. Um, I've been I've been fortunate that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what do you think or are you feeling when you are uh, rejected in a project? Um, I'm rejected? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, when they choose somebody else, yeah, doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when you sit in your car, you have little push buttons for your radio station. So you push one station and it plays a song you don't want to hear. So you push another button and it plays another song you don't want to hear. And then you push the third button and there's a song you'd like to hear. Oh, okay, I think I'll listen to that. That's sort of like what we are. We're like push buttons in a radio. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, if two or three of us are up for the same movie and they decide on me, that's great. That's great. That makes me happy That because now I've got a job and it's on a movie I want to work on. If they don't pick me, it's like, to me, it's like picking another button on the radio station, you know? It's, um, there are a lot of good composers and we all do very different things. Um, we have different, it's like writers or actors. You, you can't have the same actor in every movie. You want different actors because they do different things. Mm-hmm. Different directors do different things. Different composers do different things. So once they pick somebody else, I mean, sometimes I'm initially disappointed if it was something I really wanted to work on. But essentially, I just think, okay, it's like a push button on a radio. They just pushed another button. That's mm-hmm. about that's about as important as it is. Mm-hmm. So it's the same when um, you uh, replace a colleague? When I'm replaced? Uh, when you uh, replace another. Well, when I replace somebody else? Well, I don't know. I don't think that's the feeling. I mean, if somebody gets replaced, that's a little bit different. That mm-hmm. means that um, That means they really didn't like the music you did for whatever reason. And they're going to change it with somebody else. Now, that's not such a good feeling. And and when you go, a couple of times I've replaced other scores. And um, that's that's difficult because sometimes you look at the score and you think, well, I don't see what's wrong with it. I don't know why they why they wanted to change this. But there was some reason that they did it. And so you have to pay attention to that. We um, We all work. One of the things about film music is that it's very, very specific. And if there's an element in the score that somebody doesn't want and is consistent throughout the score and they decide to to get rid of it by basically getting rid of the score and replacing it, then whoever comes in as the new person has to know what it is that he's replacing and why so that he doesn't make the same mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have here a, a little list um, where you... Uh Perhaps uh, in uh, Baby Days Out, uh, Jerry Goldsmith uh, should they uh, should make the music? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that happened a couple of times. Jerry Jerry was supposed to do Baby's Day Out, and he was supposed to do Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And he had, you know, Jerry was a busy composer, and Jerry Jerry just couldn't get to it. The schedules were too thick, so um, he had something that overlapped, and and he couldn't start on Baby's Day Out. So I got the call. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing on Tombstone. He had worked with the director and the producer many, many, many times before. He and the producer were very good friends. And um, Jerry was set to do that movie, but the movie got to be late in the production, and Jerry was still working on something else. The schedules didn't work out, so I ended up doing Tombstone. And um, in Tombstone, in that particular case, I called him. I called him several times, you know, to say, well. This is what's happening, and this is the way the people are, and you know this better than I do. What do you think? I mean, Jerry was always, he was always very good to me. He was he was very encouraging, and he was very, um, even behind my back, he would say nice things about me, mm-hmm. <laughs> about me the music. So I always appreciated his input. Um, there was one movie I couldn't do, which was um, Home Alone, mm-hmm. and because I was doing, I was starting um, The Rescuers Down Under at the same time, and They just they, they literally were at the on the same time there. So there was no way I could do Home Alone. So that went to John Williams. But that's happened a couple of times where I've I've come in because somebody couldn't do the movie. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty common. Movie schedules change a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, you think that you're going to be good to do such and such. And then you find out that they've changed the schedule or the movie you're working on goes long and you, and you can't get out of it. And, and there, you know, all sorts of things happen. I mean, it's a real business, you know. So do you like uh, Home Alone or do you want to make it other in other way? Home Alone? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the Home Alone was produced by um, John Hughes, right. Okay, so John, John was the producer and John was the writer. John was the guy in charge. So he did Home Alone. I couldn't do Home Alone, but years later, 
Oh, Baby's Day Out was done by John Hughes. John mm-hmm. also was the, was the producer of that, and he was the writer of that. So I got a chance to work with John Hughes many years later. I didn't get a chance to work with Chris, but um, I worked with John. And I did two movies with John, um, Baby's Day Out and Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. So I got, I got a lot of opportunity to be with John and to work with him. I liked the guy a lot. He was very, he was very smart. And he was very, you know, he was tough. And uh, he was very entertaining. I liked his movies. I liked Baby's Day Out. And I liked Miracle on 34th Street. And we got along just fine. So, yeah, I mean, Home Alone turned out okay. It turned out really well for John Williams. But it eventually turned out well with me because I got a chance to work with the producer later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, about uh, Miracle on the 34th Street and Louise at Christmas time. Um, and how, what do you think about your Christmas scores? Um, yeah, do you like that? Okay, well, it was, that was a nice movie to work on because it was very, it had a very nice feeling. It was a very warm feeling, very nice family drama. In fact, my wife and I saw it um, about a month ago, just a little bit before Christmas, and I hadn't seen it for several years, so I reminded myself of what a nice movie it was. Um, But it, it also was nice for me because it had lots of opportunity to play this kind of very warm, traditional Christmas music as well as a, a very warm story of, of the, the romance and of the little girl and Santa Claus, this little fantasy that went on. Um, no, I always enjoyed that movie. I, I enjoyed the music to it and, and I enjoyed the whole the whole process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some fans ask um, if there, uh, yeah, a release of uh, All I Want for Christmas is possible. All I Want for Christmas. Um, there was there was an album, mm-hmm. there was a CD released. Um, I forget who released it, but there, the CD was released years ago. You could probably find it on eBay. Um, that you know that had some stuff in it too. That was that was a different kind of a Christmas show. But that also had kind of a warm heart. It's, hard, it's kind of hard to have a Christmas show without being warm-hearted, you know. Mm-hmm. So it had a lot of that kind of music in it as well. It had a pretty tune, I remember. Yeah, I love uh, the miracle uh, on my Christmas show. The bells are so <sighs> great. And yeah. It's <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> yeah, so in general, uh, do you like or enjoy writing whole themes for characters or settings? Or do you try more to describe the mood of a particular movie? Well, both. Um, if I can get involved in a character, um, and I can add to their to their performance uh, and, and to their character on the screen, I like doing that. I like doing the big scenes too, like the big crowd scenes or the big chase scenes or something like that. That's all. That's all fun. It's a different kind of music, a different kind of technique. But um, yeah, I, I'll tell you the thing I like about movie music in general is that it's very specific. Mm-hmm. And in being very specific, um, it's the kind of thing that you don't have to do so much in concert music, but you have to do all the time in film music. So if you have to give a little bit more understanding to a character, you have to be very specific and very careful about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you have to give a little bit more understanding to a scene, you have to be careful about that too, because after all, you're helping tell the story. So um, I, I find all that, I find that, that interesting and fun, hard. Uh, when it works, it's great. It's wonderful when a director says, oh, boy, now the scene works just great. You know, you mm-hmm. really got that character. You really got that feeling. You really got the sense of what's happening. When I, when I hear things like that, that's, um, that's the kind of stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Great. Of all of your scores, do you have a personal favorite? No. (laughs) There are several I like. I mean, I I like young Sherlock Holmes. I like Silverado. I like like Baby's Day Out. I like Miracle on 34th Street. I like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of them that I like. Uh, But um, very often, I think if you ask a composer what his favorite scores are, if he has one, it's probably not your favorite, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people tell me, oh, I like this score, and I go, oh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I, it's not my favorite, but I'm glad you like it. Uh, I'm always happy to hear somebody say that they like some score of mine or that it was particularly meaningful in their life. That's the funny thing about this is that 
um, you said you're about 30, right? So yeah. you so you probably saw movies like I, I don't know what they show in Germany, but I assume that you saw movies like Homeward Bound and The Rescuers Down Under and shows like that, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I've noticed that people your age and younger watch these movies a lot when they were little kids. And they grew up with them, and they watched them over and over, because kids like to watch their favorite movies over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of people just say, oh, my favorite movie, my favorite movie that you did is The Rescuers Down Under. I used to watch that a lot when I was a little girl or when I was, a, when I was growing up, where people would say, I love the movie Homeward Bound about the dogs and the cats, and they make mm -hmm. me cry, and it, it was so meaningful to me. And, and how does that feel to know that you changed somebody's life? You know, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to write the score. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me in um, Vienna at the university, a young person said, because of that music, I decided to become a composer. That was the reason I became a composer. It changed my life. Well, that that's um, a little bit more than I was trying to do. I was just trying to make the right music for the movie, you know. But when people when people hear that and, and they like your music that much, it doesn't really matter too much what I like. I think it matters more what affects other people. Mm -hmm. So you have to be aware when you're doing this kind of work that other people are listening to it and other people are are taking it not only seriously as music, but they're also taking it as part of their life. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, it's not necessarily a responsibility that I, I like to think about, but I just know that that's a reality in the effect of movies. I, I'm sure that actors hear the same thing, writers hear the same thing, directors hear the same thing. Um, it's just part of making a movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of friends uh, love your music for uh, the young Sherlock Holmes. And I should ask you if you know if there are official release of that score is planned. Well, I keep waiting for it to come out. Um, let's just say it's supposed to come out sometime. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping sooner than later. It's, that's been a very hard one to get produced because of the, uh, the legal rights. Mm -hmm. um, You know, in all this music, the way that it works in the United States is that the contracts are made so that the composers are rarely, if ever, the owner of their music. Mm -hmm. And uh, they we, they have a thing in the United States in the copyright law called work for hire. So when a producer hires a composer, the producer is the legal owner mm -hmm. of that music, as well as the legal author, which is very strange. Cool. So um, in order to get a, a piece of music sometimes onto a CD or into another use, the composer has to get all the, the composer or the record company or whoever has to get all the permissions for all the various people who own this thing. And sometimes the ownership can get sold from one person owning it to maybe three people owning it. Then you have to figure out who they all are. It can be very, very, very complicated. Mm -hmm. And Sherlock Holmes, for some reason, It was one of those kind of films. It just became very, very complicated. But eventually it'll be out. Yeah, I should ask if uh, you know uh, something about the Pyramid of the Fear or the Procedure and Old Man on the Sea, if their release or re-release is planned, uh, planned. Well, uh, Pyramid of Fear, I think, is... Um, isn't that young Sherlock Holmes? Um, isn't that just another name for... for don't know. I, I, I think it is. The Presidio... Uh, has been, let's see, has that been released? There is a CD on it. Oh. Maybe it's a, maybe it's not a full CD. You know, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that was a promotional CD. Oh. So I don't, I don't know about Presidio, but there is music out there somewhere. You can find a lot of this stuff on the, on the internet, you know, on eBay and all that. Mm -hmm. But very expensive the most times. Well, that's too bad. You know, I mean, I, and I'm, I mean that seriously, it's, it's too bad. What, what happens is, um, because these films, most of these films, when they're recorded in the United States, they're recorded through the union and through the musicians union. And um, they, in order for them to go on to um, a CD, the musicians need to be paid a second time for the use of their recording. Mm. So they don't make a lot of CDs. Sometimes they only make a thousand. Sometimes they might make 5,000, uh, which is not a lot compared to what a singer would get, like if someone like um, Bono or, or someone like that would make a lot more than 5,000 albums. But for, for the uh, movie scores, it's very expensive because it doesn't do the same kind of business that mm -hmm. a pop 
thing we do. So, um, yeah, if they if they only make let's say a thousand of them, and that sells out pretty fast, and then somebody decides to sell, then they can raise the price pretty fast. I think that's what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is it true that there is a musical mystery in young Sherlock Holmes? Musical mystery? What would that be? Uh, don't know. I should ask that. <laughs> uh, I asked a few friends uh, uh, for questions, and uh, yeah. I, I can, well, I can I can tell you the only question I ever got asked about that was um, under the main title, which happens after a guy jumps from a window. The main title starts, and there's this rattling sound that happens in the orchestra, hmm. and it's sort of like rats running through a building. And hmm. people ask me all the time, "What is that sound? What is that sound?" That's the only mystery I know. Ah, okay. But it's a, um, if you really think about it, it's a pretty fairly, it, it's a, an easy sound to figure out. It's done with musicians, and it's it's pretty easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you uh, have a favorite genre to compose for? Um, no, I don't. Um, I like that's a, that's an interesting question because I like doing different styles. Mm -hmm. I've written music in a baroque style in a classical style, contemporary, very dissonant, pop, country music. Um, no, I like doing different styles, and I can't say that I have a favorite one. Uh, but I do like trying to write. Sometimes I, I try to write in somebody else's style, like Tchaikovsky, if it's appropriate. There was a, there was a TV movie a couple of years ago called Eloise, Eloise at Christmas Time. Mm -hmm. We used a lot of the um, uh, the Nutcracker Suite as the basis for some of the cues, where I used my theme and then stuck it in, um, accompanied by things that sounded like they came from the Nutcracker Suite. And then I would write some of the music in the style of Tchaikovsky to make it sound that sort of Christmas sound, you know. So no, I don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite genre necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is the feeling when another composer works with your uh, themes? Uh, so how do you do you deal with it? Uh, in yeah, particular for Jack uh, and something. Like Jack. Mm -hmm. I like on Jack. Yeah, you. I think you write the theme, and another composer, yeah, makes the music. Um. The, uh, what that was was I did the uh, I did the pilot show. Mm -hmm. You know first one and then I, I wasn't interested in working on the series so I introduced the producer to a friend of mine Steve Bramson mm -hmm. who's a very good composer and asked Steve if he was interested in working on the series and Steve said he was but I warned him I said Steve you have to you just have to be warned that they really like my theme and you're gonna have to use my theme a lot he said that's okay I don't mind so Steve worked on the show for 10 years and they he <laughs> He wrote my theme in just about every way in the world it could possibly be made, you know. He, he knew my theme better than I did. But he's such a good musician. I mean, I've heard I've heard some of the scores that he's done. He does, he's such a good musician. Um, I, I, it was always flattering. It was always nice to hear the way he did it. Mm -hmm. Great. And another fan uh, would like to know if a release of the score, uh, the, the notes uh, of Moonwalker would be possible. Um, I don't know any plans to release Moonwalker. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe sometime. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't. I don't know that that one's being talked about. Okay. That one, you you can actually find that one on uh, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he yeah. means the, the the notes or uh, the partitur. Um. Just just the music. Oh oh, you mean the oh, the score. Mm -hmm. um, no, that the, uh, in general in movies those are very hard to find. Mm -hmm. as, they, as I say, the composers don't own them. They're owned by publishing companies and by motion picture companies, and they, they tend not to let them out uh, unless it's very famous and they're making a lot of money. Like uh, Star Wars, a lot of the Star Wars music is available. The Partitur, uh, there are, they're um, available, but um, for most scores, they're not. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are a member of the uh, Academy uh, of the Oscars, um, right? Um, so do you listen to all the scores that are qualified for the nomination before you pick five? Or how can we imagine that? No, um, there's a big difference in the way the scores are done and the way the songs are done. Mm -hmm. um, you try to 
you try to watch as many movies as you can. Mm. They send you movies, they being the studios, will send you movies oh, around October, November, so that you can watch the movies, You can everybody watches them, so that the actors can watch them, so that the writers can watch them. We all watch our own stuff. So as many movies as you can get to see during the year, um, you vote based on that. The songs are a little different. On the songs, they... Um, they compile all the songs that are eligible onto a single disc and send it to the members of the music branch. Mm-hmm. And then this year there were 75. So you're asked to listen to 75 songs and then from that choose the five favorite ones. Oh. Um, the, reason, the reason that was done was so that songs that did not have big movies or didn't have a lot of promotion, mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of marketing power, uh, so that if it was a good song from a small movie, that it wouldn't be overlooked. And um, like the, the song that I got nominated for is from a movie that nobody's seen. It's a small faith-based movie, and uh, the song surprised everybody because nobody knew what it was. But there were enough people who voted for it, it became one of the nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, do you uh, watch the movie, uh, the, the Oscars, uh, live in the uh, theater or at, at home, at TV? Well, um, you mean for the movies in general, when you're looking at movies? Um, yeah, I mean the ceremony, the Oscars. Oh, the ceremony. Oh, I'll be at the ceremony. No, mm -hmm. I'll definitely be at the ceremony. If I win, I want to be up there and pick up the trophy. Mm, <laughs> great. Be sure there. So I wish good luck. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I should come, uh, ask if you come again to Vienna? I don't know. I've been there a couple of times with uh, Hollywood in Vienna. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I conducted the orchestra once or twice, something like that, had music played there. Um, I don't know. I, I make I mean, no reason why I wouldn't get to Vienna again sometime. Uh, it's a pretty place. I like Austria. I like Germany. I like going to Munich. I like, I, mean, I love going to Berlin. Um, there are lots of places I'm hoping to be back at. Whether I'm doing it for a movie or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I would think it's not impossible. I'll be back there. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, yeah, if you... When you come to Munich, uh, let me know. <laughs> That's where you are in Munich. Um, in the near of uh, Augsburg, it's uh, 60 kilometers away. Augsburg, yeah, I, I know where that is. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah, little pretty town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, what are your next projects? Well, my next projects, as far as film, I I, I never know too far in advance what the film thing is going to be. It could be almost anything. It, it could be. Uh, I mean, I, I really have no idea. Uh, I, my projects that I'm working on immediately are actually concert music projects. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I'm sort of paying attention to at the moment. But, you know, the thing about this kind of work doing movies is that the phone can ring anytime and surprise you. Suddenly you've got a movie to work on or a TV show or a theme park thing or something like that. You just never know. So I, I've never lived too far in advance of the day. Mm -hmm. But I, I stay busy, believe me. Great. And um, yeah, but could you tell about the, uh, your concert works? So, I have a um, yeah. I'm working on a. I'm going to be getting a, working on a cello concerto. Mm -hmm. uh, I just recorded a, a cello sonata the other day, um, and you can find even on the internet you can find some concert works of mine that get performed. So um, they're they're not as famous as the movie stuff because they don't not as many people see them or hear them, but. They're fun to do, and they're good to do, and they're important to do as a composer. So I, I try to—I've always tried to spend some time doing those kinds of works as well. Mm -hmm. Great, and yeah, I take the the eyes and ears open. I call five terms, and you tell me just briefly what comes to your mind. Film music. Film music—it's a very specific kind of music. That's basically what comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Orchestra. Orchestra. Lots of variety in sound. Uh, lots of complexity, warmth, um, power, expression. Yeah, a lot of variety in mm -hmm. sound. Germany. Oh, Germany. Hmm? Oh, Germany. Um, I think of Berlin. I think of Munich. I think of places I've traveled. I think of little towns, big cities. I think of great music, great literature. I think of Bach, Wagner, Mozart. Well, Mozart's not exactly German. 
No, I think of I think of music. I think of uh, substance. You know, I, most people wouldn't say this, but I, I speak German very poorly, mm-hmm. mainly because I have no chance to practice it. But when I was a boy, I was at school. I was about 12 years old, and we had a talent day. And there was a boy who was from Germany who who got up, and he and his talent was to sing. And I remember he wore lederhosen and sang this, I, I assume it was a German folk song. I'd never heard the language before. And I heard that and I thought, that's the most beautiful language I've ever heard. <laughs> that's the language I want to learn. I learned it badly. And, I, and as I say, I'm not very fluent in it. But um, I remember hearing it sung. And uh, so when I think of Germany, I think of the language, too. I, it's very expressive. Um, I like, you know, I, there are a lot of things about Germany I like. Mm-hmm. I have a warm spot for it. Oh, and um, yeah. By the way, uh, at the time Mozart was born, uh, Salzburg was a part of Germany. Oh, okay. Well, I, I have the the language correct anyway. Not exactly. Mm-hmm. But Bach was definitely German. We know that, and Wagner was German. So. Oh yeah. A lot of good ones. And um, yeah, next word Hollywood. Hollywood, bright lights. Um, <laughs> Lots of uh, people parading around pretending to be this or that. Uh, lots of make-believe. Um, lots of activity. Lots of make-believe. Yeah. And uh, spare time. What was that one? <laughs> spare time. So oh, spare work. time. Mm-hmm. Oh, spare time. Not much of it. Um, Spare time. What do I do in my spare time? Well, uh, I like to travel. I like to read. I like to walk. Um, when I can, I like to visit my friends. Uh, I write a lot of music, even in my spare time. So, um, yeah, sort of those things. I try to see my kids if I can, my grandkids. Um, yeah, if, if I can plan my spare time, then I can make another trip and get to Germany. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.